and welcome to Dream City Omaha. My name is Pastor Andre, and I want to thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time, please let us know by texting WELCOME to 402-383-1874. Now sit tight as the service is about to begin. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good. It's good, to, it's good to see you. It's good to be back. Welcome to, uh, to all of our online viewers. Can we put our hands together? Those of us here in person, just welcome those that are joining us online today. We, we have North Dakota, Georgia, New Mexico, uh, a few in Lincoln, Beatrice as well across the state of Nebraska. So just want to say thank you for, for joining us and being with us today. It's good to be back. Me and Angel uh, were gone last week. Just want to say thank you to Pastor Doby for, uh, for stepping in and bringing the word. Did you guys appreciate Pastor Doby's word last week? Me and Angel were down in, in Branson and, and we were able to, to get away with, with not just our family, but Angel's entire family, um, yeah, there were, there were a couple, there were a couple giggles over here if you didn't hear that, uh, Angel's family, there was, there was 10 adults and 21, 21 kids, now you understand the giggles, um, and, and, and we've gone down to Branson the last few years and typically we go a little bit earlier in the year, this year we happen to go on spring break. And so trying to, to find a restaurant and going in and saying, yeah, we have a party of 31. Uh, that, was, that was interesting. But we had a good time. And, uh, and it, was, it was good just to get away. I mean, there's, there's times in your life where like your body just starts telling you you're getting old. Like, I, I know, and some of you are looking at me, judging me right now, like you're not old. Listen, that's a judgment. Don't judge me. But over the last, over the last couple of weeks, there have been several things in my life that have let me know that I'm getting old. Number one, I had to fill out high school registration papers for my oldest kid. Yeah. High school registration. How is that even a thing? And then while we were down in Branson, I feel like this is one of those things that you know you're getting old when you sleep on any pillow other than your pillow. And when you get home, you have to go to the chiropractor. That is me. So I was at the, I have this pain in my neck and like I can barely even turn my head. Uh, anyway, it's, it's good to be back. It's good to be sleeping in my own bed. It's good to be with, with you guys today. Today, we're gonna continue and conclude our series entitled Reconnect. And, and two weeks ago, we began and, and we started by, by really going back to the garden and looking at God's design and intent from the very beginning. How that we as, as humans created in God's image are literally made for connection. There is a part of you that was made to connect. We were created, number one, to connect with the Father. And number two, to connect with, with one another. And, and, you know, God looked at Adam after he had created everything that he had made said that it's all good except for it's not good that man should be alone. And so he put Adam to sleep, created Eve, brought her unto the man because, because man was made for connection, for community. And we, we need to reconnect. We need to reconnect, number one, to the Father. We looked at John chapter 15, how that Jesus says that if you abide in me and I abide in you, what is that? That's connection. If you remain connected to me and, and I connected to you, then you will bear much fruit. But, but any branch that is disconnected, and any branch or, or any, any individual that is disconnected from me doesn't bear fruit. The father will throw that branch into a pile 
to be burned. And, and we don't want to be those branches that are burnt. So that was week one. Last week, Pastor Obi talked to us from, from Ecclesiastes chapter four. And the Bible says that two are better than one. Because if one falls down, the other can pick him up. And, and we learned how that really we are better together. That you need, you need me, I need you, we need each other, that we can't go through this life alone. And, and today I want us to, to continue and I want us to look uh, about how, how we need to reconnect to the local church. Somebody say reconnect to church. We need to be connected to a, a local body. And really, I mean, the, the heart behind this whole series is really a result of observations over the last year. As, as we, as a leadership team, as me and Pastor Angel, as we've had conversations over the last 12 months, it's crazy that, that last Sunday was really the anniversary of COVID in, in Nebraska, in our context, right? Last Sunday was the first Sunday last year that we shut down and we were online only. And so we've been, we've been in this now for a year in this this pandemic setting and pandemic context. And, and as we've had conversations with, with couples, as we've had conversations with individuals, as we've had conversations across generations, young and old, it, it doesn't matter. As we've had conversations, there are different observations that, that we have made. And as a result of those observations, we, we got together and it's like, we, we just need to get people connected again. We need to get people reconnected to the heart of the Father, reconnected to, to each other in community and reconnected to the local church. And, and I talked a little bit week one about the, the effects, the negative effects of, of isolation, how that literally every part of your being and every part of your body is negatively affected when, when we isolate. Negative effects mentally, negative effects emotionally, negative effects physically, psychologically, spiritually, every area of your life is affected negatively when we are not in community and when we isolate. I mean, even, even thinking about the enemy's, the enemy's schemes and the enemy's attacks and the ways of the enemy, what does he want us to, to do? He wants us to isolate. Says that he, he prowls around like a roaring what? Lion. Have you guys ever watched National Geographic? You know how lions hunt. They chase the herd until one separates itself from the herd and then they all attack the one that has withdrawn. It's the same way for us. The enemy would seek to, to isolate us and, and get us to this place of being alone and withdrawn so that he can then step in and attack. And so, so really, I, I want you to understand that, that what we have seen over the last year is those who have withdrawn or those who have disconnected or those that have, have remained isolated themselves are struggling at a disproportionately higher rate than those who have fought to maintain connection. I mean, that's just the, that's the truth of the matter. That's, that's the reality of where we, where we live. Again, generationally, it doesn't matter. Kids who, who haven't been able to go back to school who, who haven't had that interaction with their friends are struggling, why? Because there's this disconnect. Couples that are struggling, why? Because there's this, there's this disconnect. People struggling in their faith, why? Because there is this disconnect. Anytime we disconnect, we, we struggle, but, 
but we need to reconnect. And so really that's, that's the reason we've been preaching this. And I, I don't want that to be lost on you. I want you to, to understand the, the heart and, and the why behind this series because we care about all of you. Each and every one of you, I, I am deeply concerned. I pray for you each and every day that, that you would fulfill God's purpose and his plan for your life, that you would walk in the fullness of the freedom and the abundance that Jesus Christ has paid for, that, that you would live the life that God ordained you to live. But it requires connection. It requires us to be in community one with another. It requires us to be in relationship with the Father. So, so take this series and take it to heart and put it into practice. Don't just let these be words that Pastor John and Pastor Doe we say, but, but let this be a lifestyle that we commit to, right? A lifestyle of connection, a lifestyle of, of reconnecting at every opportunity, a lifestyle of fighting the the temptation to withdraw at times in our lives. Today, I wanna to talk about connecting to the church. And in Acts chapter two, we're really given the blueprint for that. What we're given the blueprint for what the church is supposed to function like, what it's supposed to look like. See, at this point in our text, in Acts chapter two, we're gonna start reading in verse 42. But at this point in our text, Jesus has ascended into heaven. He has left his disciples with the incredible mandate, challenge, and task of going into all the world, sharing the good news about Jesus Christ, and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all the commands that Jesus gave. But he told them, before you do that, you need to wait. You need to wait in the city until you receive the, the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. And once you receive that, then you will be equipped to go and do in the beginning of Acts chapter two, we see they're all in one place. The Holy Spirit comes. They're filled with the, the Spirit. They spread out onto the street. And as people begin to take notice, Peter, who had just several weeks earlier denied Christ in front of a teenage girl because he was afraid, stands up and boldly proclaims who Jesus is, what he did, and our response to that. And the Bible says that 3,000 people that day get saved. 3,000 people get saved. Sometimes in, in the church world, people say, well, you know, we shouldn't focus on numbers. We shouldn't count those things. Well, the disciples were counting. Somebody, somebody counted at that altar. There was an usher at that altar call keeping count. Otherwise, how would they know that there was 3,000 of them? 3,000 people get saved. And, and in, in verse 42 through the end of the chapter, really we are, are given the blueprint for what the local church should look like. I'm going to begin reading in verse 42. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If you don't, the verses will be on the screens for you here. But this is what the Bible says. It says that all the believers, somebody say all. I want you to take notice of that. All of the believers, not some, not a portion, not the majority, but all of them. Have you ever heard of the 80-20 rule? That 80% of the people do 20% of the work and then 20% of the people do 80% of the work? The original intent was that 100% of the people would do 100% of the work. Yes. That all of them, it says that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all, there it is again, three times, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you don't, you don't call us to live this life without equipping us, without instructing us, without giving us the blueprint, the design, the intent that you had in mind when you instituted the church. God, I pray that, that you would help us as a fellowship, as a, a community of believers, as a church, God, that we would, we would fulfill the design, the intent, and the purpose you had in mind when you created this body of believers. God, that we would go back to the original design, the original blueprint, that we would examine everything that we do together under this lens. And God, if we are doing anything outside of that, I pray that you would bring correction, that, that, that you would bring this, this recalibration of, of our hearts together, that we would fulfill corporately the purpose that you have created us for. God, speak to us today, encourage us today, challenge us today. God, help us to, to commit to connection. God, that we would fight withdrawal, that we would commit to connection each and every day with you, with others, and with the body of believers. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 As, as, as we're shown here in Acts chapter 2, we see the, the purpose of the church being fulfilled. 3,000 people get saved. There was 120 that were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. And so now there's, there's 3,100 people who have proclaimed faith in Jesus Christ, who have decided to pick up their cross, die to themselves, and live for, live for Jesus. And now they're coming together like, okay, what do we do? What do we do now? In, in this passage of scripture, we are shown what they did and how they really did it together. And if we are going to, to understand the need to connect to the church, we need to understand why. Like, why do I need to connect to the church? Why can't I just be Lone Ranger Christian and just live in my own bubble, be a disciple of Jesus, love God with all of my heart. But, but if I'm an introvert or I just like prefer to be alone, can I just do this thing sans people? Can, can, I, can I just do this thing without, because how you know, people, people are messy, right? People, people are difficult. Anybody have any difficult people in their life? Anybody have any people that you wish you didn't have to interact with? <laughs> Anybody know any people in this church? No, I'm just kidding. Don't answer that because you're all looking at them right now. Knock it off. Stop it. Tagging people online and all that. Listen, we, we all know those people, right? My dad calls them EGRs, extra grace required. When you, when you encounter those people like, God, I'm going to need a double dose of your grace just to get through this conversation. But, but we can't do it on our own. We can't be fully devoted followers of Jesus on our own. We need each other. We need the church. Why, why do I need the church? The first thing I want you to understand is we need the church because the church provides community. The church provides community. 
If we look at, again, just, just verse 42, we won't even go through the whole, the whole scripture there. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. Can you devote yourself to the apostles' teaching on your own? Can you devote yourself to all of the apostles' teaching on your own? No. As followers of Jesus, are we supposed to obey some of his commands or all of his commands? All of his commands. Did you know that there are 59 commands for you and I in the New Testament that require one another? Love one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, forgive one another. And this isn't just you and your crazy uncle. This is you and the person sitting in the row in front of you. All of these commands, one another. I can't do the 59 one another commands that I've been given if I am not in community or relationship with somebody else. Like it would be nice if I never had to forgive anyone. But that would only require that I live on an island by myself. Right? Like, I can't pray for you. I can't encourage you. I can't bear your burdens. I can't walk with you if I'm not in relationship with you. So, so we can't do that on our own. He said he devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. What is fellowship? That's gathering together. You literally, in the definition of the word, cannot fellowship with yourself because your imaginary friends don't count. You can't fellowship on your own to sharing, to sharing in meals. Can you do that by yourself? No, this is really good, John. Thanks, John. You can't share a meal by yourself into prayer. Can you pray on your own? Yes. But I believe that the prayer talked about here is corporate prayer. There is, there is personal prayer, but, but what they're talking about here is is they, they devoted themselves to prayer, yes, personally, and yes, individually, but also to, to corporate prayer. So, so even in just this one verse of the, the four things that we are told that they devoted themselves to on a daily basis, only one of those things could be argued that you could do it on your own. In, in those five verses, we see the, the, word you, the word all is used four times. The word they is used five times. They were all together. They shared what they had in common. They sold their, their possessions. They, 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 they. It was not this individual and that individual, but they as a group of individuals. They as, as a collective thing, because following Jesus was never meant to be an independent endeavor. Following Jesus was, was never meant to be something that you did on your own. It was never meant to be something that, that was done in a vacuum that was done on an island unto yourself. It was, it was something that was meant to be done together in community and in relationship. The church provides that community and we can't be fully developed, fully mature followers of Jesus, fully devoted to his teaching and to his commands, fully devoted to the word of God, unless we are connected to a local church, unless we are, are gathering together, unless we are, are bearing with one another and forgiving one another and loving one another. What about, what about us watching online, Pastor John? Listen, I love that you're watching online. I love that we have the technology to, to be able to, 
to reach out to Georgia and Tennessee and New Mexico and across the state of Nebraska, those in North Dakota that are watching. I love that that, that technology has provided the the means to be able to communicate this way and you to be a part of our service today. And and I love technology, but technology is a tool. It's not a replacement. And I've said it time and time again, and I will continue to say it. Technology is a tool. It's not meant to be a replacement. I'm glad that we we can gather together virtually. I'm glad that we can gather together online. But but for those of you that are, that are in the area, there are things that can only be experienced as we gather together in one place. There are things that can't be experienced through a TV. Corporate worship is something that can't be experienced in your living room. And I've talked to people, many of you, as you've started coming back and and we've had conversations, the thing I keep hearing is, it's just not the same. I love being here and I, I love that you guys are open and I love that I can, I can finally come back because, because watching at home, it was nice and I'm thankful for the, the ability to stay connected that way, but, but it just wasn't the same. I can't lay hands on you and pray for you through the TV. Bible says, if any of you are are sick, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on them and anoint them and pray the prayer of faith. I I can pray for you, but I can't lay hands on you and and pray for you in that manner. You can't encourage others watching online. You can't be encouraged by those in this room watching online. There are things that, that, that can't be experienced unless you are in a community in a, a group of believers. Now, again, I, I love that we can, we can have this time and I love that you can join us from wherever you're at. If you're out of state, I would encourage you, find a local church to connect to. Find a local group of believers to connect to, even if it's just a, a small group, there are people that, that you need to be in relationship. Why? Because the church is, is a place of community. The church provides community. The church, the church is, is all about community. Without community, there would be no church. You need community, whatever that might look like. Discipleship happens through relationship. As we understand that we are are called to be disciples of Jesus. As Jesus has called us to go and to, to make disciples, Jesus didn't call, call us to go and get people saved. He, he didn't say go and create converts, go and, and lead people in the sinner's prayer. He said, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all the commands that I've given you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The only way to be discipled is to be in relationship. The only way to be a disciple is to be in relationship. The only way to make a disciple is to be in relationship. Jesus said, hey, come follow me, walk with me, talk with me, spend time with me, eat with me, gather with me, travel with me. Everything that they did, they were together. Why? Because the disciples were following. The disciples were learning. Jesus was instructing. He was showing. He was teaching. It happens through relationship. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, you can't do that outside of relationship. So we need, we need the, the church. We need to connect the church because the church provides community. The, the second thing that, 
we need to understand is that the church provides opportunities for growth. The church provides opportunity for you to grow. Now, when we hear this, most of us will, will think right off the top of our head of spiritual growth, right? Like it helps me to, to grow spiritually, which it does. And it is. And my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's what Ephesians chapter four tells me that my job is. To do the work of the ministry, to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Now, now part of that is, is equipping you in your spiritual growth. So yes, that will happen, but there is more growth to be had than, than, than solely your understanding and your, your likeness to Christ. There is growth in your giftings. There is growth in your abilities. There is growth in, in your talents. There is growth in the, the things that God has placed inside of you. And the church provides you opportunities, yes, to grow spiritually, to look more like Jesus, but it also provides opportunities for you to grow personally in your giftings and in your strengths. You have been gifted with something that we need. Each and every one of you. God has given you a gift that the church needs. And if you are not operating in that gift, or if you're not growing in that gift, or if you're not sharing in that gift, you're not growing to your full potential. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, I love this verse, says that, that God has given each of you. Who's each of you? All of us. I'm glad you understand that. God has given each of you. That's me. That's you. That's him. That's her. That's the person sitting next to you. That's the person that you looked at when I talked about EGRs in church. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? serve others. The purpose of the gift that you've been given is not so that you can be put on a pedestal, is not so that you can be, be looked at as, as somehow more important than anybody else. It's, it's not so that you can make a name for yourself, but the reason you've been gifted with what you've been gifted, the reason God has placed those things inside of you is so that you can then take them and use them to serve others. Are you doing that? And that's just a, a question for, for reflection. Are you, are you doing that? Because as I serve, I grow. As I serve, I grow. As I, as I serve, I grow in humility. I grow in my, in my giftings, I grow in my strengths, I grow in, in, in spiritually, I grow in my likeness to Christ, I grow in every area. As I serve, I grow. Listen, let me just tell you this right now. If you are not serving somebody, whether it's Sunday morning in an area of ministry, whether it's serving in the storehouse twice a month, like Pastor Angel said, serving those families who are coming through, the food bank that we have that operates here. If you're not serving the homeless downtown as we go and we provide essentials and food for them, if you're not serving somebody, what you are doing is you are stunting your own growth. You are literally stunting and, and causing yourself not to grow to your full potential. 
We all need to serve. And the church gives us opportunities for that. Church gives us opportunities to, to grow. Ephesians chapter four, I referenced that Paul says that, that these gifts have been given to the church, the, the, the apostles and the, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the, the teachers, they, they, will, they will equip us as the church so that we can be mature in our faith. He says, then we won't be immature, tossed about, like the wind on the wind, tossed about like, like a ship on, on the sea that's just wherever, which, whichever way the wind blows is where that ship goes. We won't be like that. We won't be deceived when somebody comes in and brings a, a new method of teaching, a new doctrine. We won't be confused by that. We won't be deceived when somebody tells us lies that sound so close to the truth. He says, we, we won't live that way. In verse 15, here's what he says. He says, instead, instead of being those immature believers who are tossed about, instead of being those who are confused, he says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. You are the church. We are the church. We are his body. His body is the church, and that is us. He makes the whole body, again, who's the body? Us, we are the body. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Look what it says though. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. He caused the whole church, the whole body to fit together perfectly. The only way for something to fit together perfectly is for, for one person to have what the other person is lacking. For one area to have a hole where the other doesn't, there's this compatibility. How many of you have been married and you've realized that as you've been married, you married your exact opposite? It's, a, it's, a, it's an opposite that sometimes we think causes us to go like this, but that's not the design and the intent. Because your, your oppositeness is a compatible opposite that causes you to look like this. And so when, when, he, when he puts his laundry at the base of the laundry basket, rather than throwing it in the basket itself, just remember this. <laughs> Fellas, I'm trying, okay, I'm trying. When he puts the dishes in the sink and doesn't rinse them or put them in the dishwasher, just remember this, right? It's, it's a compatible opposite. And we see it in marriage so often. And we, we understand it in, in that context, but the same thing happens in this context. Because there are people here that don't think like you, that don't look like you, that don't have the same experiences as you. In, in our oppositeness, our differences, rather than making us go like this, should make us go like this. Because you aren't created the way that he created me. Yes, we're created in the same image, but your giftings are different than my giftings. And my strengths are different than your strengths. And your weaknesses are different than his weaknesses. And we all have these differences about us that if we focus on the differences, it causes us to look like this. But when we focus on the beauty in that and the diversity that comes from that and how we can use that and how I need what you have and you need what I have and, and I need to hear your experience and you need to hear my experience and I need your perspective and you need his perspective, it causes us to look like this. 
And as this happens, the only way that this can happen is if we grow together. The only way that this happens is if we grow in humility together. The only way that this happens is if I die to myself and I pick up my cross and rather than trying to be right, I just want to understand. The only way that that happens is if we, is if we grow. Now, First Peter says that your gift is there so that you can then serve others. And we've learned that as we serve, we grow. And if we don't serve, we are stunting our own growth. But may I also tell you this, in light of what we just read in Ephesians chapter 4, that if you don't serve, if you don't serve the body, if you don't serve somebody else, not only are you stunting your growth, but you're stunting the growth of those around you. Put that scripture back up there. Look at, look at what it says. As each part does its own special work, as it uses the giftings to serve the body, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, all of us, is healthy and growing and full of love. But we can't do that if we don't all serve. If we don't all do our part, we won't see that. That's why there are churches that are fracturing right now and and are so full of division and bitterness and unforgiveness and gossip because, because not all parts of the body have decided to do our part so that the whole body can be healthy and growing and full of love. See, the church, why do I why do I need the church? Because you need to grow. Because I need to grow. You need the church because I need to grow. You need the church because your kids need to grow. You need the church because you need to grow in your marriage. You need the church because we need what you have. There is something that we are lacking that you've been gifted in that unless you step out and you offer that in service to others, we will never fully understand the purpose that God has for us. Because we all need to do our Why do we need the church? Because it's a place that provides community. It's a place that provides opportunity for growth. But thirdly, we need the church because the church allows us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Something much bigger than, than ourselves. Listen, you need to, in your life, you need to find something worth dying for. Find something worth dying for. There's so many people that are just going through life and it's just blah. We're just going to our blah jobs and doing our blah things. And we get to the end of the blah day and we wake up tomorrow and we have to do it all again. If you find something worth dying for, I guarantee you, your life is not blah. Right? Like, Like if you find something that you are that passionate about, something that you can give your whole life to, something that you can give every part of yourself to, you'll wake up in the morning with a mission and you'll wake up in the morning with a, with a desire and you'll wake up in the morning with this fire burning inside of you that says, how can I love others today? How can I serve others today? How can I show people Jesus today? Who can I witness to today? Who can I share the hope that I've found with today? If you find something to give your life to, and let me tell you, this is something to give your life to. Yes. Three people agree with that. Thank you, Alana, whoever that was. This is something, this is something that you can give your life to. It's something that is, is much bigger than you are. 
We all need to be a part of something bigger than just ourselves, and the church is that. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul again is, is writing, and he, he tells the, the church in Ephesus, he says, God's plan from the beginning was to, to unite Jew and Gentile. And he says that, that was God's plan, and he's, he's just now begun to reveal that. The mystery of his plan was to take Jew and to take Gentile and to, to bring them together as one family, united under him. He goes on to, to say that God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. Who's the church? You are the church. I am the church. We are the church. God's purpose in all of this, in uniting Jew and Gentile, in coming and in, in giving up his life and dying on the cross so that you could be saved and that your neighbor could be saved and that your family could be restored and that you could walk in the abundance. God, God's purpose in all of this was to use us to display his wisdom in all of its variety to everyone everywhere. That was God's purpose. Listen, when you're a part of a local church, you are a part of God's purpose. You're not just a part of the dream of, of Pastor Doby, who started this church almost 12 years ago now. You're not just a part of the dream of Pastor John and Angel who are leading this church now. You're not just a part of a dream of a group of people who got together in a basement and said, let's just do this thing and see what happens. You're, you're not a part of a dream of any individual. You know whose dream you're a part of? You're a part of God's dream. Amen. You're a part of God's plan. You're a part of God's desire. You're a part of his, his purpose. We, we need the church because then we can be a part of something bigger than us. As followers of Jesus who are connected to the Father, who are connected to each other, who are connected in community to a local church, we get to display God's heart. We get to display God's plan. We get to display God's wisdom. We get to display God's mercy and God's grace and God's love, and God's faithfulness, and the unity that can only be found in him. In Acts chapter two, the Bible says that, that the apostles performed many signs and wonders. And, and it was the signs and the wonders really that, that caused the unbelievers to believe, especially on that day of Pentecost, as they stepped out and speaking in other languages and other tongues. And it says that everybody recognized them and heard them in their own language. It was, it was a sign that, listen, there must be something to this. It was a sign that this isn't just, this isn't just nonsense. This isn't just make-believe, but, but there's something really going on right now. And I think there's, there's a part of the church that is, is seeking signs and wonders. And the purpose of signs and wonders is to communicate to the unbeliever. The purpose of signs and wonders is not so that we can say, look at all of these signs and wonders. But the purpose of signs and wonders is so that we can go out there and say, look what God is doing. And it causes them to say, there must be something to this because that's not natural. And there's so many churches that are looking for and chasing after signs and wonders as we read in the book of Acts, which were signs and wonders for that day and for those people and for that time. I think if, if ever there was going to be a sign in our culture today that there was something to this whole gospel thing, it would be a diverse group of people united under one mission 
with, with, with nothing in common, but everything in common. We want signs and wonders. God, pour out your spirit and, and bring revival so that there's all these signs and wonders and then people will believe. You want people to believe? Show them how unified you are with the person who doesn't look like you. Show them how unified you are with the person who didn't vote like you voted. You want to be able to go out there and say, look, this gospel thing is real. Then it's not just Jew and Gentile that has been united under the blood of Christ, but it's Republican and Democrat that has been united under the blood of Christ. You want to talk about signs and wonders. I'm not like for real. You want to talk about signs? That would be a wonder. That would be a wonder to see. A group of people so diverse, so different, so compatibly opposite, coming together under one banner, with one purpose, one mission, one heart, one spirit that only happens if we as the church are in relationship with each other, remain connected to the Father, connect together as the church on mission and, and on purpose, growing in our daily lives so that we can look more and more like Christ, so that as we step out there, we begin to show the world what Christ looks like more and more. But that's what it looks like. It's something, it's something bigger than us. Jesus' mandate to the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, and many of us know this verse, it's the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. That's bigger than you. That's bigger than me. Here's the thing. That's bigger than us. That's bigger than Dream City Omaha. It's bigger than Dream City Phoenix. It's bigger than Dream City Scottsdale, Glendale, and White Mountains. It's bigger than, than, than any one church, but it takes the big C capital C church, all of us as followers of Jesus. And Matt, you can come back. It takes all of us doing our parts. It takes all of us using our gifts to serve. It takes all of us saying, God, what role are you trying to, to call me to play? God, what role did you create me to play in your, in your grand scheme of things, in your great design? God, what is that, that uniqueness that you have created me for? Why does the church exist? The church exists to proclaim the gospel. Yes. The church exists to, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that we are all sinners desperately in need of a savior. And that savior has come and 2000 years ago, he shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. And not just us, but that's for anybody. And it doesn't matter what you've done, but Jesus loves you and he died for you. The church exists to, to make disciples. The church exists to provide fellowship. The church exists to equip believers. The church exists to serve our community. It says that they took everything that they had, they, they sold it and they used it and gave to those who had need in the community. That's why we exist. It's what we're here for. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. How do I connect to the church? Attend. Be here anytime the doors are open. Come on Wednesday nights for discipleship classes. Last week, we, we had small group sign up. Many of you signed up for a small group. There's still, there's still time. It's, it's not over. Small group sign up is not done. Get on the website. Get on the app. 
Find a small group. Find a community of people that, that you, can, you can connect to. Start serving. Maybe it's here on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's at the storehouse, the second and the fourth Saturday. Maybe it's with the downtown outreach team, the third Saturday of every month. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but start serving, start serving someone. Why? Because if you don't, you won't grow. And if you don't, someone around you won't grow. And if we don't serve, all we're doing is stunting the growth of ourselves and those around us. And I don't know about you, but I want to be all that God made me to be. I want you to be all that God made you to be. I want your family to be that all that God had in mind when, when he brought you together. I want it to be all that God has. And the only way for, that, for, for us to get to that place is for us to connect to the Father, connect to each other, and connect to the church and be the church. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we are grateful. We are grateful that we can, can gather together in person, yes, but also we can gather together via Facebook and YouTube and all of the other means and methods that we have at our disposal. We thank you for technology, but technology is a tool. It's not a replacement. God, those of us that are here in person, thank you that that we can gather and we connect. Those of us that are watching online, thank you that we can connect virtually, but God, find, help us to, to find people in our context that we can connect to as the church because Christianity is, is not an, an individual endeavor. It's not a personal endeavor. It's something that is to be done corporately and together. Lord, today we, we thank you for the challenge and the opportunity to reconnect. Lord, there are some that are, that are in this room. There are some that are watching online right now. There are some that might be watching this at a later time that have yet to connect to the Father. And this morning, if that's you and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you've never decided to, to live for him, to give up your way of life, and to follow him, to be a disciple of Christ. If you've never made that decision, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that today. If that's you, wherever you find yourself, would you just bow your head and close your eyes and just repeat this prayer after me. Church, would you help us to pray today? Just say, Jesus, thank you so much that you gave up your life so that I could find new life in you. And today I receive you as my savior and as my Lord, I place my faith, my trust, and my hope in you. I die to myself and ask that you would help me to live for you all the days of my life. Would you forgive my sins and wash me clean? Lead me on paths of righteousness from this day forward in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you today. God, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. God, I pray that, that you, would, you would bring a community of believers around them, whether it's here locally or, or in whatever context they find themselves in. God, I pray that you would help us to connect. Thank you for, for, for connecting us to you and to your heart. God, I pray that you would help us to connect to one another, but, but God, help us to connect to the church as well. We need the church. We need each other. We need community. We need to grow, but God, we, we need to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. 
something, something worth dying for, something worth giving our lives to. And God, today we, we declare and we proclaim that we will give our lives for this. We will give our lives for proclaiming the gospel. We will give our lives to provide fellowship. We will give our lives to equip the saints, God. We will give our lives to, to, to minister to our community, to serve our community. God, I pray that you would go with us this week. Give us opportunities to, to not just make this something that we, we hear about or talk about on Sundays, but something that we live throughout the week. Give us opportunities to serve. God, begin to show us those unique giftings that you've placed inside of us with the purpose of serving others. God, give us opportunities to grow. Give us, give us opportunities to witness. Give us opportunities to be like God. Give us opportunities to invite somebody back for Palm Sunday or for Easter Sunday to be a part of something bigger than themselves. God, go with us this week. Help us to be salt, help us to be light, help us to reflect your goodness and your love and your character in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 If, you're here, if you're here in person and you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if there's things in your life that you want somebody to agree with you on, our prayer team is down here. We'd love to be able to minister to you in that way. If you're online and you need prayer, you can, you can reach out on our website. We would love to connect with you that way. If not, be dismissed, be blessed. Have a great week. Love you guys. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.